0: Hello. new japan pro wrestling crisps and pornography
1: this podcast is a member of the voices of wrestling podcasting network visit voices of to
0: hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews columns opinions and updates across the world of wrestling
1: back to another year of the good the bad and the hungry on the voices of wrestling podcasting network my name is tyler forness and with me as always is my co-host fred morland fred are you excited for the the sasha updates and buzz for the next week and a half
0: oh boy we are in the uh the dead spot with that i think we'll learn a lot of uh information uh by what happens on this coming dynamite i think that'll be very telling but you know uh Hopefully we hear some good news and uh, there will be feasting and dancing in Jerusalem this year.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it's also, we're going to learn more about it from Tokyo Dome, which happens um, from the time we're recording in just about 12 hours. So we are right in the thick of things. Wrestle Kingdom is here and it's one of the reasons why we're not having Game 7 of the Elite Death Triangle because Kenny Omega will be wrestling Will Ospreay in the co-main event of Wrestle Kingdom. In front of actual cheering crowds, I cannot wait. I fell out in New Japan mostly because of the clap crowds, and now we are back. It is going to be fun. But that we, Fred, we have a lot to talk about today. And we do have a lot to talk about. It's going to be very interesting. Um, some of the little topics we talk about. Obviously, we're going to talk about Dynamite, and we're going to give our picks for the Wrestling Observer Awards. Which now that the calendar year is done, we are going to get a little bit of a jump start on the awards, because one, uh, it is something that we have delved a lot of time into. And Fred has a tracker, which uh, we will talk about when we get to that topic, but we have to at least talk about um, Dax Harwood's bullshit, um, where he started a podcast with Conrad Thompson of all people, which that sounds like the biggest vanity project of all time, but there was a little bit to come out of it. Um, He apparently pled with both sides to work out the, the issues of brawl out between CM Punk and the Elite, um, and we all know that he's a mark for CM Punk. They're buddies. Like I, I just I I can't take anything he says seriously, and especially because he's doing it with Conrad Thompson, who big wrestling fan. He's also a big carny because he makes a ton of money off wrestlers basically lying on air. Like good for him. You're making money.
0: But... Three weeks and. Uh... The, something to wrestle with with Richard and all that
1: now i will say some of the jeff Jarrett stuff has been fun to listen to because you actually get excerpts from the book which i haven't read the book so that like for a while i'm like oh this is kind of interesting and then you know jeff went on his bullshit and it's like all right i'm done that's that's enough for me but yeah. it's it's very it was very interesting um to listen to that in full um <laughs> but what was your big takeaway from it fred because honestly i just thought of it as uh as a bunch of bullshit
0: I mean, it's just kind of silly. You know, we had him, you know, basically asking the Elite and Punk to stay together for the kids uh, publicly. And, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it would be best for business if uh, they did work it out and could both coexist in AEW. But, you know, I don't think that there's much motivation there from either side right now. Um, I think they're both probably prideful about... uh, what happened and offended and angry. And uh, I don't think there'll be any real movement on that in the very short term. Uh, Maybe something in a few months, who knows? It's wrestling, never say never. Uh, But, you know, um, I do think that Dax uh, very much is good at getting attention for himself with the internet. And that doesn't necessarily mean, like, a way of doing it that I'm interested in, um, to be entirely honest. but. He's good at it. He gets people talking about him one way or another. Um One thing I, I will defend about what he said was the thing about um, Cole Cabana, you know, doing I don't think Cabana necessarily meant anything by it, but Cabana doing a North Carolina accent has a bit when he first met Dax Harwood. And, uh, you know, if you're from uh, the South or Appalachia, it's easy to, you know, you're kind of on the back foot about that stuff anyway, I think, uh, as someone who grew up in Appalachia. And um, you have your different ways of kind of deflecting that. You know, I, I like to self-deprecate. That's my go-to move. Um, but I I will, I will. don't think there's anything wrong with him, like, being bothered by that whatsoever. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, while keeping in mind that Cabano probably wasn't being, you know, hateful. With what he was doing. He was probably just trying to do a bit because he's Colt Cabana. But yeah. And then I think that uh the the the, the stuff that really annoys me is um is that Dax going on Twitter to take shots at Dave Meltzer. Not to say that you can't criticize Dave Meltzer or anything, but I thought that what he was doing specifically was kinda crappy. Um specifically uh accusing Meltzer of pushing a narrative against FTR when I don't think Meltzer has said anything negative about FTR this year. I mean, I don't know how you could with all the great work they've had. And also, I mean, I recall Meltzer saying several times he thought that they should have built the FTR match, big FTR matches in AEW bigger. Um, So I don't know where Dax is coming from with that. Uh, And then he specifically complained about the fact that Dave Meltzer gave a Brain Busters Heart Foundation match from 1988 two stars. (laughs) <laughs> and at that point, like, I, just, I think my eyeballs rolled out of my head because, like, the idea that you should somehow be mad about a 35 year old star rating at this point is just insane. Um, and that was pretty preposterous, but you know, Meltzer and Alvarez have been firing back on Twitter, and uh, I don't know, it's just very dumb all around, and then this rolls down to the worst people on Twitter, and it's just all stupidity, and I hate it, <laughs> it sucks.
1: God, it, being mad about a star rating from thirty-five years ago is is the worst part of like our little
0: section of Twitter. Like from, from what I saw of what he said, what Dax said, that is by far the worst thing he said. Just because it's so stupid. Like log off. It doesn't matter. It's something from a newsletter that's not even available on his website. <laughs> it, I mean, they haven't even put up anything before nineteen ninety-one, if I recall correctly, on the website. So like this, you've got to yeah. you've got to dig deep to find out what he's rating 1988 stuff. <laughs> and to, this to, is
1: this is why people say touch grass. Yes, like go outside, Dax. Ah, like, uh, just uh, honestly, just hilarious. And considering he is literally doing a vanity tour to earn wrestler wrestler of the year votes.
0: Oh, and, and, like, they begged so hard for, like, good star ratings and stuff, and it's kind of, like, really sad. And then he turns around and is like, I don't care about his star ratings. They're bad. And it's like, well, hold on. Listen, you got- buddy,
1: you're talking out of both sides of your ass here.
0: So I mean I don't know I don't have anything like terribly against what Dax did I guess you know talking about the punk stuff is fine because he's wasn't in the room but he's close with Punk and that can be an interesting perspective in a way I hate that it brings that whole issue back to the forefront because I am very t- I mean it's been six months now almost um, it's just a very tiring subject of discussion that doesn't really lead to anything good but you know it's the other stuff that is kind of hokey with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah you know that's where we are
1: it, it kind of is where we are and it's well it's not like we have anything else going on which we'll kind of touch on wrestle kingdom here later on but just dax just shut up nobody cares about your stupid podcast um speaking of other stupid podcasts let's get back to the good the bad and the hungry uh dragon lee decided that he was going to retire and he's signed with (laughs) WWE and will report to NXT here shortly. I I found this very interesting uh, for a couple reasons, Fred. One, Dragon Lee deciding to go to where luchadors basically go to die. Um, The only luchador that they've ever treated with any amount of reverence or respect is Rey Mysterio, and even that has been wishy-washy more often than not. He goes there, but he does so by winning the A tag team titles with Drillistico announces it on a A show, which to me sends a sends a bat signal up in the air that the AEW relationship is probably done, and we we knew that this the relationship with like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and CMLL was kind of strengthening up, so them not working with both companies makes sense. What I found really interesting was is A now going to work with WWE? In any way, shape, or form, because we know how Triple H wants to take this product globally. They've talked about it in NXT Mexico, which I think would be hilarious because they it would just bottom out so fast. Um, they've talked. They've obviously had NXT UK. They want NXT Japan. Do you of think course. the two companies are actually going to work together?
0: Define work together. Well, they work together to benefit Triple A. I have heavy doubts. Will they work together in a one-sided? relationship that wwe benefits from but triple a doesn't that's possible um i mean it's it's like the uh the story of the frog swimming across the river with the scorpion on his back and the scorpion stings him and the frog says why we're both going to drown and the scorpion replies lol uh, that's what working with WWE is at this point in time. And it's been like that since the 80s. So, I, I you know, and, and this, the reporting is that um, the reason AAA went about doing it this way is because they wanted their tag team championship in photos from WWE with, with Dragon Lee holding it. And I don't know how that benefits your company at all. I don't think that does anything to give triple a buzz or make them look good or anything but that's what they wanted to do and that just seems very markish to me um and triple a has been kind of asked backwards about booking for a long time now um so i'm far from like a super expert on them but i have been following them for four or five years and you know it's just triple a just doesn't uh makes sense with their booking a lot of the time and i think this is just another bad business decision from them i mean you had the lucha underground you know lawsuit leading to triple a mexico versus whatever triple a usa is trying to take all their copyrights um because saying that they signed it over when they started lucha underground and that froze triple a for a few years now they're sending vikingo to the us but you can't stream or put out on dvd vikingo's matches Unless you're PWG or possibly AW or another company. Um, so I don't know how that benefits AAA or Vikingo by not having exposure in the U.S. Um, just having these black hole matches. Uh, AAA doesn't make sense, man. It, it's like a completely nonsensical company. Um, they're not serious about doing business properly, I feel like. It's like they could have... There was a real t- point in time where they could have made serious moves against... Um, against the MLL if they just had competent booking, but they don't. And, uh, you know, they are where they are now. They're just, you know, running shows in Mexico. They're hoping they draw houses and they're just trying to get money somehow.
1: Yeah. Triple A is fucking weird, man. That they, they are just their own entity, their own beast. And, Look, if they want to uh, dance with the devil, let them go ahead. Like uh, maybe WWE can actually teach them how to mix their English uh broadcast <laughs> properly so we can actually enjoy a little bit of crowd noise. If they, they do feels- that,
0: if they do that that would actually be the one beneficial WWE relationship <laughs> in hey, history for another promotion.
1: I know I I go back to the XFL. The XF original rendition of the XFL was such a massive failure, but what the NFL was able to grab from it is they took things and they were able to make technological advances. The sky cam, um, player some player safety things. Like There were good things that came out of the XFL. yeah. And I think uh, hopefully that AAA will be able to take at least something from WWE in a positive way. But um, look, they're dancing with the devil. It's their own fault if shit happens. Speaking of AAA, Tamello and Sammy Guevara were stripped of the mixed tag team championships due to travel issues. Missing shows and being rescheduled for AEW. Uh, that's kind of just the cost of doing business with multiple companies. It happens. They they miss shows because of this, that, or the other thing. In New Japan, outside of the story they're doing with Carl Anderson and the Never Title, if you Bright miss lights. a show for any reason, any reason, and you're and you're supposed to defend your your title, you're stripped. That's just kind of the way it works. So I don't really have an issue with this. It just kind of is what it is.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing I thought about this was that uh, originally they were cleared to go down there, and then they had to, I think, push back a week due to a minor injury, the Ruby Soho-Willow Nightingale versus uh, Anna Jade-Tay uh, Mello match. And um, like I guess Tony Khan felt like they had to book it that night. And frankly, that kind of boggles my mind because absolutely nothing about that match scream, like must do tonight kind of deal. Um, but that, you know, that, that's why they missed the show. And, you know, there you go. I don't know, man, it, it felt very unnecessary. And, you know, I, I think if you partner with AEW, uh, you will get access to wrestlers. You'll be able to have people come in and you don't get that with WWE typically. Um but you also do have to understand that, and I think this has worked out several ways in AEW that your um, what you're trying to promote is secondary to what trip what AEW is trying to promote. And if you unless you're New Japan, I think New Japan is the one exception. But if you're a smaller company, whether it be Impact or Triple A or something else, and if there is a schedule change, you know your needs are not as big as AEW's needs for AEW. Uh, and I think, like, this is not a surprise what happened. I think it was, in the abstract, I think it was kind of bogus. I think that there's really no reason to move that match to that specific night when you could have just done it on the upcoming Dynamite. But that's what happened. And uh, they're within their right to request that or to make that change and tell them they can't go. And I definitely think AAA was in the right to serve the championship. But it's really, like, a it's a low mid-card title. It really doesn't mean anything in the company. Um, like, the biggest thing it's done in the past few years, I think, is the the big mommy uh you know hamburguesa storyline they had going for a while which was definitely in the big card um
1: but yeah yeah it kind of is what it is um this one is very interesting and we know um that cj perry um fk lana in wwe the wife of miro she did I don't know, whatever the hell the Bailey show is. And she was asked if she received a contract offer from AEW. And this quote is directly from Fightful. Tony Khan runs his business however he'd like to run his business. I'm going to leave it at that. There is a reason why WWE is the greatest wrestling franchise and one of the greatest franchises in the world. And it's because they value sports entertainment, storytelling, and not just fighting for a, quote, wrestling title, unquote. But they value resolving conflict in the ring, and that's what makes wrestling special. You can fight over anything like Chris Jericho would fight over a list. Rusev fought in my honor so many times. I fought Summer Rae because she took my ex-boyfriend that I hated and I wanted revenge. Those types of things are relatable and are relatable to women. A lot more women watch these stories where it's a soap opera where we resolve our conflict in the ring. That's what WWE is great at. Storytelling, bringing comedy battles, funny things, serious things. Personally, it's why I love WWE because it's not just wrestling. It's entertainment as well. And I'm here to entertain and put smiles on faces, not just be the quote, best wrestler, unquote. That's where I stand between the two different promotions. What a load of horse shit. Like, (laughs) listen, if you want to say, oh, I prefer the WWE style of storytelling where they have to beat you over the head with anything that they call subtle. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I just, I think less of you as how you consume your entertainment. All right. I, I just do because you're trying to tell me that it's subtle. No, it's like going to play the Legend of Zelda and having the strategy guy right next to you and have to be walked through every little detail. No, you're supposed to explore and figure some of this stuff out yourself. And then if you can't, then you go to the strategy guide. So if, and to say that they don't resolve things in the ring in WWE, or sorry, in AEW, that's kind of bullshit, isn't it? Like, how can you go through that whole thing and say, oh, that it's relatable stories. Just admit you don't watch the product and you're an absolute buffoon who just wants to get a second payday. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But I can't take you seriously.
0: Uh, no, I, I, I found this quote uh, this morning and th- just thought it was very funny because I think it really does highlight kind of the difference between um, people who uh, like other styles of wrestling and those who are just, for lack of a better term, be pilled. Where they only like what WWE does. And uh, so, you know, someone mentioned this in the writer's slack, and I don't want to steal their thunder too much. I'm just going to lightly touch on this, but uh, I think they're very right. uh, Where they said that, um, they said that, you know, the whole generation of fans, which isn't the entire generation, but the sub, the portion of the generation of fans of the past 20 years or so. Um, that have only been around with WWE as the one dominant company in North America post-WCW's failure, um, really having kind of WWE pilled to where they only see this one style of storytelling and think that anything else is wrong and bad because it's not what they're used to. And I had never considered this before, but this person in the Slack mentioned that they think that this extends to the wrestlers. That there are people in wrestling now who did not grow up, you know, with the Monday Night Wars or with other North American promotions or United States American, you know, type, blah, 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 American promotions. I can't talk today, sorry. Um, where they just see WWE style of storytelling, and uh, that's the only thing they can uh, they can come up with. Uh, this past weekend, my wife and I watched a movie called Blades. From 1990-ish. 89. Um, which is a parody of Jaws. D- done by Trauma Films. Uh, only instead of a shark. It's set on a golf course. And the monster is a lawnmower. It is a bonkers movie. And it is more subtle. Than WWE storytelling. <laughs> and they're playing. And, and it's they're playing it very broad. In this movie. The, the idea that. Um. I, I, you know, you and I, we can't get on board with this idea that WWE storytelling is the correct way to do storytelling because it's. I think if you really pay attention to anything else, whether it be other styles of wrestling, or if you just watch movies or TV, um, like prestige TV or whatever, like you would watch this and you'd be like, "This is bad storytelling." Um, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you AEW is doing Shakespeare every week, but it's at least you know feels more grounded, I think, than what you're getting now with like the Alexa bliss storyline with the, the fiendess coming back and the uncle howdy masks in the crowd and other nonsense. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that it's in part, like this is not only what the, some sort of certain percentage of the fans expect. I also think it's what a certain percentage of the wrestlers expect. And that could be part of why, like, you know, Miro's unhappy or Andrade's unhappy or other guys who spend a lot of time in the WWE system are unhappy. Um, and uh, I think Rob Viper had a good Twitter thread recently where he talked about this and talked about how um, some people coming in from WWE are approaching it like, you know, when Impact signs big names back around 2010, people like Rob Van Dam and Booker T came in just seeing it as an easy paycheck. And I think that's I think there's probably some people coming in that are kind of seeing it that way uh, that they're in a secondary group and they're just fighting their time until they get back to the one major league. Um, and I think that is a problem that AEW probably should consider moving forward when it comes to signing people that leave WWE. You know, for every Moxley, you're going to get someone that uh, is unhappy with not being in WWE, and uh, probably more than one person per Moxley. Um, like maybe Sasha Banks will come and it will be happy because she'll get to just do wrestling if that happens yeah that'd be great but if Sasha Banks comes in and is I don't think this is the case but possibly you know she's angry because she was in WWE felt that was the big time and wants to go back to prove you know like that's her entire goal then her time in AEW could be a disappointment Um Are you kind of talking like a Cody Rhodes arc? Uh, you know I thought Cody at least took AEW seriously you know I, I definitely don't think Cody thought that AEW was like a a triple a baseball team or something
1: i guess what i mean by that is just i'm going to leave build myself back up so you take me more serious like we saw with cody we saw with drew mcintyre um because i'm talking great
0: running impact i'm talking less drew mcintyre impact and pwg and the other indies and more like booker t leaving you know getting cut and going to impact because they're paying him but not wanting to be in TNA because he thinks that they're second rate, which you know you can make that argument, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I mean AEW is not being run like impact at slash TNA at that point in time. AEW is a much more serious product that is much more comfortably run. But I think if you're still coming in viewing it as a second-tier promotion, then that can very much be detrimental to the product.
1: It absolutely can. This is This is something that we're going to unfortunately have to touch on for probably the majority of the next 25 years, because so many fans that grew up with only WD are just going to be so pilled that, Oh, this is this company has been around. It's the only company that's been around. This is how you have to do things. No, that's not how it works. That's not how innovation happens. Can you imagine going to general mills and telling them, Oh, you made cornflakes. You should only make cornflakes because it's been so successful. You shouldn't try to make other cereals. Well, then how in the world are you going to get other cereals? How are you going to get Frosted Flakes? How are you going to get Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, Lucky Charms, Fruity Pebbles? Like there's, there's a reason why innovation is a good thing, and we just have to be accepting of it as a general whole. And it's inherently annoying and frustrating, and quite frankly maddening that there are so many people who just refuse to allow that to happen or even be considered. This isn't a dictatorship. This is that this is why capitalism is believed to thrive. And let's not get political here. You know, I know I'm mentioning dictatorship and capitalism, but it's, it's about having a free market and being able to do what you want to be successful. And a W is doing their version of pro wrestling. It is very successful. It resonates with a large portion of wrestling fans in this country. And I, you can't just go and be like, Hey, this, that, and the other thing that's, that's not how it works man just lighten up
0: be accepting yeah i I, it's very interesting and something i hadn't really given much consideration before um and something worth considering more going forward um you know it's just kind of unfortunate that we've had this happen to wrestling it'd be like you know there's concerns within cinema the films whatever you want to call it movies. that everything's gonna be marvelized because of how successful their films have been and how uh, they have a very consistent style and you know the concern is that other people are going to try to copy that and I think DC has tried that to different extents and there's been other attempts at uh, you know creating different film universes that have flopped like the the short-lived attempt at uh the Universal Monsters one that Tom Cruise starred in the new update of the mummy that kind of was quickly forgotten. Um Bobby, I mean, this is a you know, it's it's a concern when you have a monopolistic force within the market and people only really consider what that, you know, like that's the trendsetter, and that's all people use it as a frame of reference. And that that's bad. It's not good.
1: No, it's not good, but we can kind of move on because there's only so much arguing that we're gonna be able to do about uh, WWE because well, quite frankly, we agree on most of it. Um, and it's annoying as absolute hell. Let's let's keep this moving. Um, this upcoming Friday, we are going to have not only Rampage, but Battle of the Belts. Um, they're doing Battle of the Belts live because Rampage is live, correct?
0: Yes, that is my understanding. OK, so uh, that- I don't think they've uh, I, of course, I may have missed some on Rampage this past Friday when I was watching it and just only half acidly like, taking notes this week. I was traveling and stuff. Um, I don't recall any matches being announced for Battle of the Belts yet. Am I wrong I think, on that?
1: I think one got announced. Okay.
0: Um,
1: But I can't remember which one it is. Um, I want to say they might do Orange Cassidy Kip Sabian, but they're doing Orange Cassidy Trent. I don't know. It, it's Battle of the Belts. They'll have something. I'm assuming, because Jamie is going to talk Friday on Rampage, we're going to get a women's challenge.
0: Uh, yes, looks like we are going to have Orange versus Kip on Battle of the Belts. So you know, main event in any building.
1: <laughs> I, I don't even think that can main event Cork and Hall. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's let's move on. This is my favorite news of the day. Jr. missed the last rampage, so he could go to the Cheez It Bowl. Jr. Hell yeah, the Cheez It Bowl one. Was one of the better bowl games with Oklahoma and uh, Florida State. Two, it had no business being good because Oklahoma was bad, but they hung in there and they played a pretty dang good game before they ended up losing by three. Um, and he, he got to go to the Cheez It Bowl, which um, they had the Cheez It Citrus Bowl yesterday, Fred. And they I don't did. know if
0: you saw this, the um, False Cheez It Bowl. <laughs>
1: um, they had a giant bed on the sidelines oh, and players were celebrating in it. And, oh my god! oh, dude, um, Brian, uh, Brian Kelly got doused with Cheez-Its. And then after he- the linebacker, Harold Perkins, like did like a Cheez-It angel. Yeah. You know what Brian Kelly did? He picked a couple up and ate them. Oh my God. Like, college football is the, is just Absolutely absurd in every. Uh, I hope he was doing.
0: I hope Brian Kelly kept doing the, uh, that bad Cajun accent he did at his introductory press conference when he started the season. No, he didn't. He, he uh, that's a shame.
1: He has not, uh, kept talking about his family.
0: He needs to, he should have gotten full Benoit Blanc, you know. (laughs)
1: Uh, that was, that was was incredible. Um, and it is JR's birthday today, so happy 900th birthday to JR the Dinosaur. Um, we'll keep going here. Um, we do have Tokyo Dome in a few hours, and I think before we really get into Rampage and Dynamite thoughts, I think we need to talk about Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey because I think this has a wide range of consequences moving forward. Um, not only is it Kenny Omega's first match back in four years when he dropped the um, IWGP, Heavyweight Championship to Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 13, but it's also big because this is the biggest match in the world that you could book right now. Omega and Osprey, and I really hope that they have at least twenty five thousand fans in the Tokyo Dome. I'm not sure what the restrictions are at this point. Um, I know they're doing some cheering, which is objectively phenomenal. Thank God, um, but. This is the biggest match you could book. I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to run this in the States. And don't get me wrong. I think the first match should be at the Tokyo Dome. But if they tried to run this first off in the States, I bet this could come close to selling out of a, a football stadium because this is a match people would travel for. It's got two of the top five workers in the world. And this match, if they give it the ample time it deserves, which with it being Wrestle Kingdom, and Kenny Omega's been in in the co-main event before, and he's gotten 30 minutes. I think they're going to give them the time that they need. Uh, This is going to be phenomenal. And if you don't have New Japan World, you have to, under any circumstance, get it now. So then when you try to uh, log in right at at match time, you don't have issues like the site has been overloaded in past years. This is going to be phenomenal, Fred.
0: Yeah, uh, if you do happen to be listening to this and haven't subscribed before, uh, I will also tell you that it works on a your build on a monthly basis, like the old Patreon setup. So if you signed up on January 30th, you would end up getting billed for uh, January and February. So just keep that in mind if you're considering signing up. Um, but yeah, I, I think this will be a fantastic, absolutely fantastic match. It could still match of the year right out of the gate. Um, I feel like the build for Okada, Jay White, for the Uh, Heavyweight championship has been kind of cold, but honestly, those two are fantastic together. So that match will also end up being great. I'm pretty excited for the show. I don't know when I'll get to watch it, um, because I've got a work project over the next couple weeks that I need to finish up. But um, you know, I I get why some people are cold on it. I get why people are cold in particular on Jay White Okada. But I think it's going to be a great show. I think uh, it'll be very exciting to have uh, mostly cheering back um there's been a few shows in japan that have been doing that including some new japan shows um and that's just a big difference maker and hopefully we'll get more of that moving forward but yeah um it should be exciting it should be a great show and uh you know regardless of if you're crazy enough to stay up late and uh watch that as someone on the east coast that's just not an option for me because i enjoy sleeping uh or if you're going to watch it later i think uh, you'll really enjoy it
1: yeah, I'm. I'm gonna be watching it tomorrow. Um, I have a financial meeting, I think, at noon. So financial I, I will, meeting. I'm. I'm trying to be smarter with my money. I don't big
0: know. bucks, Tyler. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, look, uh, I may write for USA Today, but let, let's let's just put it this way: I, I'm not making a fortune. Um, it's it's just really freaking cool. Um, all right. This one, I I want you to start off with because I'm not a hundred percent sure what you mean, um, because we've only had one show here in the new year and we talked about the fact that um, production is likely going to see a shift moving mm-hmm. forward. Thoughts on new visual direction and promos?
0: Well, the what promos are teasing. See? They're they're teasing, uh, you know what the new shows are going to look like. They're redesigning the ramp, I believe, and uh, it's a bunch of freaking lasers. Uh, Tyler, I don't... You haven't seen the little promos during Dynamite that, uh, you know, promoting the upcoming year for AEW and everything? I, I
1: don't know if I have. Oh, There's man, a possibility I have, and I'm just blind.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a very... You know, it looks pretty clean, um, but it's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to pull them up right now, and uh, I'm not having much luck, of course, because we're live on air. Why would I plan anything ahead of time or include a photo? But, you know, it's, it's the new header image for their Twitter account is, uh, is kind of showcasing the well, look. I'm going to drop a link to you right now. Um, you can just click that. But, yeah, it's like with all the the laser effects and everything. And uh, it looks like they're going in a slightly different visual direction um, where they had more of a, I guess I would just say a light based, you know, with the elevator and everything. Um, I don't know if they're going to be getting rid of that, but it'll be interesting uh, to see. Okay. Yeah, that's I what, did, uh, yep. I I did
1: see it. I had to watch dynamite. Unfortunately yesterday, but just because the in-laws were in town, I just, I did not have the ability with our busy schedule to watch it. Okay. That I kind of like the little laser nuance. We'll see
0: how things continue to progress and change. But it's a good start. Yeah. Hopefully it's not like WWE Um I do like that their their stuff looks different than WWE but just when it comes to visual presentation. Um mm-hmm. I, I doubt that'll happen, but you know, it's always a concern because they're bringing in the uh former Kevin Dunn replacement that got Kevin Dunn out of the company. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. I think it'll be interesting and I think it's debuting, uh, on this week's dynamite, the January 4th dynamite. So that'll be, uh, you know, that'll be interesting. I think it's, uh, definitely be a talking point next week on our show.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of the show, let's kind of get into dynamite. What did you think of the show overall? I thought it was solid, but not great.
0: Uh, I thought it was, uh, Pretty darn good show. Um, I thought there was a bunch of really good matches on it, and I, I don't think it was the best promo Dynamite, but I thought that overall, uh, the promos were all solid, uh, from what I recall, and uh, like there were several great matches on this that I liked a lot. I thought it had, um, Ethan Page's best match of his AEW career, possibly excluding the Darby Allen coffin match, but I think I actually rated this Danielson one higher. Um, uh, I thought that, um, that There was a good tag match there with Top Flight and Moxley. I thought that they had the best uh, trios match since the pay-per-view. Um, I thought the one on the pay-per-view was better, but I thought this one was great. The Falls Count Anywhere between the Elite and Death Triangle. And I thought the main event of Smojo and Wardlow was excellent. I thought it was very good. Um, I want to start here. Sure. Um,
1: this Ruby Soho Willow Nightingale tag team it, it was weird, and obviously, uh, I understand the connective tissue, why they're teaming, but it almost felt like a WWE, can they coexist without them beating you over the head with it? Yes. Um, it it was it just felt off. Uh, Ruby Soho had wanted no business with Willow's uh, bubbly energy, and it showed in the match, and uh, it kind of cost them in the end because they ended up losing to Tay Mello and Anna Jay where are we going with this? Like, are, is this going to be something where Ruby fully goes heel and then we actually get a feud or is this just kind of a one-off? Like it, it just feels really murky to me.
0: Yeah. I thought it was, that was weird. Um, I agree with you on that. I think that they've been going to the partners, turning on each other. Well, pretty hard over the past few months especially right now where they're doing the Swerve Keith Lee storyline, finally, and uh, there's other situations, you know, they've kind of teased issues in both Jericho Appreciation Society and the Black Bull Combat Club with Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta. Um, we kind of have best friends imploding a little bit, or at least teasing that. Um, I, I think that we're kind of... Uh, there's there's uh, several storylines that appear to be going down the same path, which I think is to the company's detriment. Um, but... Uh, yeah, there was like a blind tag spot in this match where uh, Willow got offended because Ruby Soho blind tagged herself in, and like that's a complete WWE style spot, which I don't really like. It's very kind of dumb, um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought this match was fine. It was worked pretty well. I think I went three stars on it, uh, but the like the storyline behind it, I kind of am not on board with. I'm not really enthusiastic with what we've seen so far. Uh, I'm not like opposed to a Willow Nightingale, Ruby Soho feud, but like I said, it feels like we're doing the same storyline multiple times. Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: This is something that kind of concerned me a little bit with Tony Khan. And I don't know if it's going to actually continue to manifest like this, but you mentioned that he's just kind of going back to the well and going back to the well. We are now in Tony Khan's fourth full year as a booker. Um, I don't think you can necessarily, like, he obviously booked the three, like, pay per view style shows or four pay per view style shows before we actually got to Dynamite in October of 2019. But we're almost done with this. Like, we're sorry, we're in the middle of his fourth full year of booking. It, how concerned are you that he continues to go back to the well with some of these kind of storylines? Because we know about booker fatigue. We know that like WWE basically has six storylines that they rotate in and out. Um, one of them being the can they coexist gimmick with tag teams. Yeah. Like, it, I, I don't know if we need to be too concerned, but I also think that we should have it in the back of our minds that maybe Tony Khan, for as creative and smart as he is, doesn't have that full playbook of stories like we maybe initially thought.
0: Well, I think if you go through the history of wrestling, there's a very small number of people that have been high level bookers for extended periods of time. Uh, Gato is the a, only one Gato, I can really think. of. is pretty much. And depending how you feel about Vince McMahon, I mean, he at least was on top for so long, um, and he did have several, you know, two big successful periods. Um, I feel he like had he had several dead him. ones too. It was yes, yeah, oh yeah. He, um, oh, he ahead. built
1: an entertainment machine. Mm-hmm. And the wrestling became secondary. And when the wrestling was bad, it didn't matter as much. Whereas I think a bad wrestling product for AEW would cripple it.
0: Yes, uh, I agree. Um, you know, and Vince definitely has a shortfall as at wrestling gestures at the past fifteen years of his booking. Never mind all the other bullshit with him. Um, but you know, Tony Khan, I think, is a good booker who is also flawed. I think that's uh, pretty clear he you will see him screw stuff up sometimes uh you'll see him um make a mistake with the storyline or reuse a storyline multiple times at the same time this is not the first time i've thought about this i think that like a year ago or so maybe god goodness maybe it was two now uh but at some point in time he was definitely like running the same playbook um two or three taught to- you know in two or three different storylines at the same time um There's definitely areas of criticism for him as a booker. You can point at, you know, it seems like every backstage interview is immediately interrupted in the same style. And then they argue, possibly fight, set up a match. Um, Or how about the amount
1: of backstage interviews where they say at the very beginning, Hey, we've agreed to
0: keep. No physicality. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's also a fair criticism. Um, I think that, you know, we've been critical of him on here sometimes about, Misplacing talent or misusing talent. Um, I think that we've got more information now about the whole Miro situation where I feel like that's a little bit less of him just fumbling the ball and more there's extenuating circumstances with Miro where supposedly he was, um, offered basically the Ethan Page slot leading up to the last pay per view and turned it down because he didn't want a job in the end to Ricky Starks. Um, that's the story that I think Meltzer reported if I recall correctly. Um, uh, you know, I think that Tony Khan is a good booker, um, possibly great, and he also is not perfect. Um, and I think Ghetto uh, has possibly an easier job because, at least in New Japan, you know, it's just, let's set up the big matches. And angles are light. there. There's backstage promos, and there there's the Post main event in ring, you know, call out, but generally speaking, you know, with some exceptions, there's not a lot of like angles on your average New Japan show. It's pretty much a straightforward wrestling show. AW does try to do more angles. Um, I don't think that like an outright, you know, a weekly TV show done New Japan style would really necessarily work um, in the U- United States. Um, but you know, I, I think there's there's 100% ground for criticizing Tony Khan as a Booker. Um, I still think, we're going to get to this in a little bit, I still think he's my pick for Booker of the Year, because I don't know that there's anyone else that really has a good argument against him. And we'll get to that. But I think he does far more good than bad. And I think he's more successful than not. Uh, but just because you are on the plus side in general, doesn't mean that you don't have any goofs on the other side.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's, that's a really good way to put it. He is going to be my booker of the year still. And it's, I think we almost have a different set of expectations for him and it's not necessarily fair per se, but he has done such a great job off like right out the gate and he's been really good that I, I think we just almost have too high of expectations, but he's, shown us that we should have that high of expectations for him because he is a, he has done so many good things and booked so many like long-term stories and short-term programs and been able to um peak things at the right time. It's, I just worry that he's going to fall into this, um this trap where he just continues to use the same kind of, kind of things like ladder matches. Like we have talked about WWE. Hey, we're just going to do a ladder match. Um, I think for a minute there, he got obsessed with the Lights Out match, and he kind of calmed down on those. The only one we've seen, I think, in the last year was Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Ops, which
0: was... I think there was a Britt Baker Thunder Rosa back in That Lights Out March.
1: match was... Um, no, that wasn't this year.
0: That oh, was, was that the year before? It. Okay, that all was, right.
1: That was 2021, so okay, uh, I, I, I just worry that he's going to rely too much on these crutches when his brain has, has been shown to be so immensely creative. And I just don't want him to fall back into that.
0: I I, there's another point of concern with this too because he's gone on the record saying that you you know you kind of can't trust people in the wrestling business because they will try to take advantage of you and he said that Mm -hmm. with regards to like booking sometimes um I know that he he has talked about working with people on the creative side but you know if he's booking AEW and also he's going to book Ring of Honor and he's doing his stuff with the Jaguars and uh all the soccer team the Premier League team I can't recall the name of now yep um, because I don't full follow him. soccer fuller full. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, it's definitely a concern that he's going to spread himself too thin. Yeah. It uh, 100% and, is, you know, and like, if he's, you know, he I wish that he felt comfortable just off shifting some of this stuff. Like he doesn't have to hand the reins over on AEW's overall creative direction, but he if he's like planning out dynamite and you know the top tier storylines, but also spending time like booking AW Dark elevation, like what are we doing here? You know, your your time is your most valuable resource, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's true, like if he's if he's up like 18 hours a day doing work and he's spending three hours plotting out a week's dark and dark elevation, then the question you should probably be asking is, can I not pay someone to do this so I can use those three hours for something more valuable to my companies?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think he's going to eventually get that like triple H has a circle of influence. I think we're going to start seeing that develop with Tony Khan. And because he is, Let's be honest. He was brand new to the wrestling industry when AEW started. It wasn't like he had worked with other companies. It was He obviously had talked to people like Meltzer because he's been a subscriber for eons and eons. And obviously being uh, his dad is the owner of the Jaguars. He, he ha- has money as Fred just decides to fumble his mouse over there. Um, it, I, th- I think those little things will make a difference because he's going to find people he trusts. I think you're going to see somebody like a Christopher Daniels be able to wield more power because he's been with him since day one. Um, In theory, they've forged a really nice relationship. Can he continue to build those kind of relationships and have trust with these people? And I wonder if the departure of Cody might have any sort of impact on that, Fred, because let's remember here, Cody was one of the catalysts of AEW. Mm -hmm. CM Punk started the revolution. The Bucks and Cody Rhodes finished it. And he was one of the four EVPs brought in the company with obviously the Bucks and Kenny Omega, but Cody left and they had creative differences. So I wonder how much of that might influence him wanting to maybe not let people get so close. Well, there are a lot of factors here.
0: Yeah. And also his disappointment with how the, um, the first year of booking went Um and then the uh when God, I always forget when this was. When it was the the disastrous dark order young bucks angle?
1: It was the last match of 2019.
0: 2019, okay. I it was I the last sure. segment of 2019. It was it was, it was the then they took the week off. And that was, you know, the report the reporting is that basically that was kind of the the hate the straw that broke the camel's back. And Tony Khan, like, took over booking at that point, because previously it had been spread out among the EVPs and everything. And I think he just was like, look, someone's got to have the overall vision on this. It's going to be me, and we're going to be following my lead moving forward. And that really improved AEW's product. Um, So, you know, in that sense, Tony Khan's a good booker. Uh, But like we talked about, he has his faults, too. And, um that's gonna be part of it, you know. Like Dusty Rhodes was a good booker until he did his five thousandth dusty finish and uh you know, harmed the territory, you know, the Florida territory he was booking, and then Jip Crockett. Um, Ric Flair was a good booker until he got tired of all the pressure being put on him and then you know the issues with uh, Turner management on top of that. Eric Bischoff had one good idea and then he ran it into the ground. Vince Russo has had some good ideas, but they're caked in so much bullshit around it that you have to have like people specifically set up to like filter his stuff out and direct him. Jeff Jarrett was the head booker of TNA early on, and if you listen to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, uh, he may not have been very good at that. <laughs> But, um, you know, and like you you can go through the history of booking like Vince McMahon, you get the the big Hogan era and everything and you get the Monday Night Wars. And, but he had people helping him, too. But then in between, you had the dead, area, dead era uh, with the post-Hogan pre-attitude uh, era where basically it was a failed diesel run and then like, you know, decent-ish business with like the likes of Michaels and uh, hard on top. Um, you know, it's just like that. Uh, you know, there's Anoki, you know, had a good thing going with uh, New Japan for a while. And then he decided to go full blown into MMA and uh, have all his top stars lose to actual fighters. It's, you know, the, the history of Booker's is littered with a bunch of people. And frankly, there's not there's a bunch that like had very flawed if, out, if not outright bad careers as Booker's. Yeah, it's
1: it's going to f- I'm I'm going to find how this evolves fascinating and it's Yeah. It li- this like will I be a really.
0: It'll be a really interesting year for his booking because not only do you have AEW, but you have Ring of Honor as an actual full-time product. And mm-hmm. like is again is he going to hand that off and is he going to will he be able to find people he can trust to be his lieutenants because if he doesn't then I think he's just going to sleep half an hour a night. It's preposterous how much he does. He really should take some off his plate, frankly. Um, yeah. I, and you know, you worry about that harming AW long-term.
1: No, I a hundred percent worry about it. I had thought initially that um, my thinking was if they ended up buying ring of honor, and this was at the end of the, the 2021 calendar year that he may give the book to Cody and let mm-hmm. Cody book ring of honor, because it was something that Cody was obviously passionate about. And he has so many creative ideas, but then you also have Tony Khan who really filtered them out. So I thought that that would have been like a perfect like, hey, just go be creative over here. Kind of like how Triple H was given NXT. Um, in a, it, It's not identical, but it's a similar vein. And sure. I thought it could work. But obviously, that's what happened. And I, I really don't think he continued to do this. Look, I am a football writer. I write for USA Today. I have this podcast. I have my own podcast that I do Monday nights for um, Daily Norseman and Climbing the Pocket. And I do college football prognosticating and I'm working all the time. And I even told my wife the other day, I I don't know how to relax anymore because when I'm relaxing, I'm almost just like, Oh, I'll just put on some film with another player. Like I don't sit down and just take a deep breath, relax. I'm always doing stuff. So like, if I'm doing that with in, in comparison, how little I'm doing to how much Tony Khan is doing, I can only imagine what his life is like. And, like
0: I need to figure out how to relax, and it looks like Tony does too. I, I definitely agree. Uh, was there anything else you want to talk about off this dynamite?
1: Um, yeah, I was very, very impressed with Top Flight versus uh, Blackpool Combat Club. I loved how um, there still is an edge to Moxley and, and Castagnoli. Um, top, they gave Top Flight everything in this match. And obviously, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club won. But I think this was more about, hey, we want to really put these guys over as guys who can hang with us. And I think they did a great job of it. I gave it four stars. I thought the high spots were really good. The false finishes were good. And the way they won and Mox was just like, basically looked at him and was like, fuck you. I thought it was just tremendous.
0: Yeah, the this Claudio, is how you get people over. Yeah. I thought this was a really nice, uh, like two week storyline they did between these two teams. Um, Claudio's European uppercut to win was awesome. Like, that was a fantastic finisher and one of the meanest strikes I've ever seen in wrestling. And I, I love that as a finish. But I thought this was a very nice, uh, three and three quarters match. Um, just, you know, it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like where Top Flight's headed. Uh, I think they're going to get he- featured pretty heavily in, uh, in the world of uh ring of honor once that gets launched. And uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, honestly, that's, that's kind of all I have with dynamite. I thought um, I I'll be honest. I did not like the um, main event. I hated the fact that they had to um, beat up Wardlow's knee. So he would take the loss. The second I saw that angle, I knew Wardlow was losing. Like I get, you want to protect him. You're losing to fucking Samoa Joe. It's okay. It's Samoa Joe. Yeah, he's not losing to the Jungle Boy. He's losing to Samoa Joe. That's I, fine. You know, I,
0: I think this is another solid criticism of Tony Khan in that he likes to protect people when they lose sometimes. And uh, I think that's uh, you know a big part of his mindset. And he definitely did that here with Wardlow. I thought the match was worked really well. And I thought Wardlow sold his knee well. Uh, I think it's fair to not like the booking of having the injury be the reason why he, he lost but I thought if you just accept that within the match itself I thought it was worked quite well um and I thought Wardlow did a really good job of selling it and I thought that it played great into the finish.
1: Yeah I really I really did too. It was it was well done I didn't like it. Like it, it's not like that they're not good at doing these things. I just don't like how often they do them.
0: Oh no, that's fair hundred percent fair
1: it's the same thing that we talked about just going back to those same storylines. This is a crutch for Tony Khan, and he's afraid to let people lose. I understand Wardlow. You spent so much time building him up as this monster. The only people that beat him were guys like Cody, Moxley.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like You're talking the top echelon guys are the only one beating him. That's fine. That's how you build a guy up. You, you get him a ton of wins over these lower-level guys. Then he loses to a top guy, and it doesn't really hurt him because you don't see him as that top level guy yet. Well, with the MJF story, call him at double or nothing. You saw this guy as a top guy now. And he held this TNT title. And now he loses in a three way, which, okay, that's fine. Stupid, but that's fine. And now you're doing an injury angle to protect him. Just don't have the match. Hold off on it.
0: Like, I I think they're going to set up a, a rematch down the road, possibly a three way with Darby. Um, you know, I, I think I, personally, to me, this was fine—the booking of this—but I get why it would bother people.
1: I mean, it—you know what? It's not that big a deal at the end of the day. But come on, like you don't have to do it, and I think that's one thing that Tony Khan can solely start to grow and figure out.
0: Uh, just as an update for you, in case you hadn't seen it since we're doing the show, Tyler, uh, the it's been announced by the NFL that the Bengals-Bills game will not be resumed this week. So,
1: you know. I do you remember Reggie Brown?
0: Um I think so, yeah. Reggie Brown or Reggie White?
1: Reggie Brown. Um, it was week 17, 1997. Lions, Jets, Barry Sanders is trying to get 2,000 yards. And he does. Earlier on in the game, Reggie Brown's a rookie linebacker for the Lions. He's in a pile, and uh Jets offensive line gets pushed and basically torques his neck and breaks it. And he had like a severe bruise to the spinal cord. And he stopped breathing on the field. Yeah. And I'll never forget watching that as an eight-year-old kid. It, I, at the time, I was an eight-year-old kid. I was like, ooh, ambulance on the field. And I just thought ambulances were cool, man. Because, you know, I'm an <laughs> yeah, eight-year-old sure. boy and I don't know shit. Well, once I realized the gravity of the situation I saw an IV bag, I'm, I, it, it kind of terrified me. And I'm like, what's going on? Because, you know, usually ambulance... On the field, it's like okay, this guy's really hurt, but he's gonna be okay. That was the first time I had ever really realized that football was something you could die from. Yeah. And what what happened last night with Damar Hamlin was a different but very eerily similar situation. And it shook me, man. It it shook me big time. That was that was scary. It was heartbreaking. And to hear that he's in stable condition, albeit still critical is just, it's such a tremendous outcome from what it could have been. And we don't give enough credit to EMTs, emergency technicians, um, the training staff that like the training staff for the Vikings saved Teddy Bridgewater's leg, mm-hmm. like because of their quick and decisive actions. And they were able to save this man's life at least for now. And hopefully it's saved long-term like we just don't know enough information to make any kind of qualitative decisions yet, but, they deserve so much credit, and the players deserve so much credit for understanding what the situation is and knowing that they shouldn't play that football game. Because in 97, they sh- they shipped them off, and they started playing within minutes. And the fact that they were able to do that, and uh, there are people, Colin Coward even compared it to Owen Hart earlier yeah. today. Um, to be able to, in a... Multi multi billion dollar business basically tell everybody we ain't fucking playing because of this. Good for them for doing what felt like the obvious right thing to do. And I know this complicates a lot of things. I was in multiple fantasy football championships for money, and that's obviously super trivial. But there's stuff like that. There's this was a huge game in the playoff race. How are we going to figure that out? Like there's so many little nuanced things, and it. I hope that Demar Hamlin's okay. His he started a, a GoFundMe for a to, Pittsburgh toy drive. The goal is set at two, two thousand five hundred dollars. It's now at I think six million. Like Chris Jericho donated twice. Did you see that? Yeah, he I did. Spelled yeah. his name crust Jericho at first. He's like, ah, I gotta fix that. He respelled it and gave another five grand. Like, yeah. People are just pouring in support for this young man and yeah. um I don't Scary know what this situation. For, Terrible. I don't know what this means for his future at all, but um I d I haven't prayed harder in a long time for any person or thing. Um I just I hope the best for him. It's it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. I I kind of stopped following football closely about a decade ago in part because of concerns about injuries and CTE and stuff. Um and, uh, you know, one thing that helped led to this was, uh, the Johnny Knox injury that, uh, happened with, uh, you know, when he was a receiver for the bears back in 2011 and he damn near got like literally broken in half, uh, by, uh, got tackled weird. And, um, and he lost, uh, he got a vertebra injury and, uh, he still walks with a limp apparently in pain. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't mean to, but I unfortunately watched the uh, video of this, uh, of the injury last night, and uh, he, uh, you know, it, it didn't look like much. It looked like a normal tackle, and then he just stood up, adjusted his helmet, and collapsed. And, uh, you know, it's very, very scary that, you know, something that simple can happen and uh, can uh, just change someone's life forever. Uh, but you know, hopefully he'll be able to recover. He's, you know, he's in the hospital. He's intubated. Um, I'll let you, which which
1: is standard operating procedure.
0: Yeah. So, Oh, go ahead. No, that was it. Okay. Uh, I'll let you on a, a business secret of the medical field, the whole serious condition thing. Like that's not a real thing that people, that doctors or pharmacists use. Uh, that's just, you know, that's media talk really when you come down to it. Um, there's like no no chart that you're going to pull up on, of patients and like there's going to be a little red serious or critical thing like that's just that's just uh... yeah he's basically in the ICU um, and that's it you know um, but yeah I mean hopefully he's recovering the, the biggest concern at this point is if he suffered any brain damage from the loss of oxygen uh, but honestly if you're going to if this is going to happen to you Outside of a hospital, this is probably the best place it could have happened just because they have so many people trained in uh, medical care at an NFL game that Mm -hmm. you're going to immediately get help. And uh, fortunately, they were able to do that. But yeah. Um, And
1: apparently, Cincinnati has a tremendous level one. They do. And
0: it's very close. I I, I live in (laughs) Lexington, Kentucky, so I'm not far from Cincinnati. And uh you know we when you go up there, when you cross the river from Kentucky into Cincinnati, like you see the stadium on the right side of the bridge and then it's probably five minutes, maybe ten to the Cincinnati hospital, which is a high level uh, trauma center. So they you know they are they're very fortunate with the medical setup there.
1: Yeah, they really are and all of our thoughts and prayers go to Hamlin and his family and it's going to be a, a very difficult time, and I know um, Bills and Bengals players. Um, just imagine being T. Higgins, the one who oh, hit yeah. him, yeah. And like his mom, like there are pictures of him with his mom in the in in the locker room area. Because uh, how do you come back from that?
0: Well, I, it's it's like D'Lo Brown, you know, he paralyzed uh Darren Drozdov uh with the running power bomb in their dark match that one time uh back in the late 90s for WWE because there was uh someone threw a soda in the ring and they didn't cl- get it cleaned up right and so D'Lo went to do his running power bomb and slipped in the spilled soda and uh Drozdov landed wrong and uh D'Lo Brown apparently you know, blamed himself for it. Um, and I think that really hurt his career. Uh, I think he just kind of lost the fire for wrestling to a large extent. He left for a couple years. He had a, you know, he did some all Japan stuff and he did a short stint in TNA that uh, was pretty good, but he never gave it a full commitment. And uh, that was about the extent of his in-ring career. He was done by like 2004 and he felt like he could have been a, a bigger star than he was at that point in time in WWE in the late nineties. Um. But yeah, um, you know it's it's just terrible, and it's it's kind of like one of those things in wrestling where you know you you see these tremendous flips and dives and everything, and they don't get hurt, but then they you always know, you hear about someone tearing a pec muscle taking a body slam or something or a hip toss. and uh, in this case, this was just a very bog standard kind of tackle. It wasn't some kind of ridiculous flying missile, you know leading with a helmet situation um, and it just led to you know just led to a terrible situation so hopefully he's uh, doing better but that you mentioned the um the toy drive fundraiser he was doing and it, i think it's crossed o- it, last night it crossed over 3 million dollars like in the matter of like an hour or two you know which is just a fantastic uh outpouring of love from people and uh it's just a nice thing to see you know in just a really sad situation otherwise
1: yeah 100% and i i know we're we're kind of getting off track but i think talking about this is, is such a big thing because not only um, does it happen in professional football, it can happen in wrestling. Just look at what happened mm-hmm. in Big E. Um, but look at what happened to
0: Jerry Lawler. I mean, yeah. Lawler had this exact thing happen to him. Uh, when was that? 2016, 2017? I'm, I'm bad at remembering exact years, but it was a few years ago that he was wrestling a match. And uh, I, I, I'm sure Dolph Ziggler gets so tired <laughs> of of Lawler bringing up the elbows that Ziggler did to him, but Ziggler did a series of like three or four, just, you know, his rapid fire elbow drops to Lawler's chest. And, you know, after the match, Lawler went back to commentary and then he collapsed. Um,
1: yeah.
0: You know, and, and we'll talk about, I, I, w- I do want to bring this up real quick. Uh, you know, the NFL, you know, stopped the game, you know, suspended it immediately. And then basically, I think the players and coaches, you know, even if the NFL did say they weren't going to restart it, I don't think the players and coaches were going to. Um but, you know, WWE, you know, I, I I, listened to Meltzer's uh show from last night where he and Alvarez talked about the situation with the football player and then Owen Hart. And, you know, even if you give WWE, you know, the benefit of the doubt with oh the Owen Hart thing was unprecedented, who could have expected him to die like that? They continued mm-hmm. the show. Um, I think it's fair to be, you know, if you even if you give them that spot, you know, um, it's very fair to be critical of them continuing the Monday night Raw where Jerry Lawler almost died. Um, and, but that's a whole different subject.
1: Yeah. It 100% is a different subject. Um, let's uh, let's move on. Um, yes. We have quite a bit to talk about still. Um, we're going to um, I'll, I'll read off what's going on on the next couple of dynamites. What we have planned so far, then we're going to talk about wrestling observer awards. Yeah. Um, Dynamite. They're making their Seattle debut. And we're getting an Evolve offer match with Brian Danielson and Tony Neese. I think yes. that is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's a great way to get him on the show in a match that will be really good without actually having any storyline involved. Um, Chris Jericho um, versus Ricky Starks in what's going to feel like a grudge match. Um, Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen for the TNT title. After that tremendous match they had on my birthday a few weeks ago, Darby Allen comes into... Uh, it felt like a new Japan. I'm just going to show up and challenge, but he was also protecting his, um, friend Wardlow. Uh, so it, it kind of makes sense at the same time. AR Fox versus Swerve Strickland, which if you've never seen, um, the Lucha Underground, I can't remember what they call their three stages of hell. Oh um, yeah. Um, Dante the... Fox versus Kill Shot.
0: Yeah. Go uh, watch I can't it. Remember, can't remember what that was called either, but, uh, I'm going to Google it real quick. Uh, Hell of War, is that right?
1: Yeah, something like that. Um, that was an absolutely phenomenal match that I highly recommend you go out and see. Um, what's funny is apparently John Moxley didn't even know that Swerve Strickland was kill shot, which <laughs> is just the most John Moxley thing of all time. It's um, extremely good. It's awesome. Um, Moxley will also be showing up to do a promo it um, will be an update on Adam Page. MJF is contractually obligated to appear, which I, I love it. We're continuing with this. Hey, I'm a free agent in 2024 gimmick. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then we also have the Dynamite um, in Los Angeles next week on 111. Um, game seven, the Elite versus Death Triangle in a ladder match. Um, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Soraya and X. Um, and they're also teasing John Moxley versus Adam Page. That would be an incredibly loaded show for Los Angeles. I I want to think that they'll hold off on Moxley and Page for at least another couple of weeks. But who knows at this point, especially because we don't, we're so far from revolution. We don't know what the plans are for that pay-per-view as of yet. We assume that they're they're going to be going um, with Brian Daniels and MJF, but we just don't know. Yeah. Um, Dynamite looks pretty good the next couple of weeks, Fred.
0: Yeah, it's very exciting. I think you both will be really good shows. I would not be surprised if Paige Moxley is on that LA Dynamite. Uh, and, of course, we also have the live Rampage this coming week with uh, the Battle of the Bellas afterwards. And I think the only match announced for either is Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy, as I think we mentioned earlier in the show. So um, that will be a match that happens. <laughs> yeah, it
1: will be. Um, let's talk about Wrestling Observer Awards um fred this is something that you've delved in a lot um with your wrestling observer award shares and you have obviously been a um, a follower of this for some time why don't you kind of give a a little brief rundown about what the wrestling observer awards are for those who may not be fully aware
0: yeah sure uh every year in the uh wrestling observer newsletter of course that's dave Mouncer's newsletter i think everybody that's listening to this knows what the observer is uh they have a open vote for subscribers in a variety of categories uh going over the best and worst of the past year in wrestling. And, um, you know, uh, this year, I don't think there's going to be any new categories. I think that... um... A couple of years ago, he has two categories of awards. Um, with the separate categories are within. Uh, there's a category A or major awards where you vote for three people or acts within that, and then um, there's the category B or minor awards with where you just vote for one person for that award. Uh, the biggest ones are, uh, well, the biggest is the Luthez slash Ric Flair Award, which is the basically the MVP award. Uh, you kind of are supposed to consider uh, overall, uh, contribution to the business in the previous year so not just in-ring or microphone talent or drawing ability but all of that uh then there's uh other categories like uh most outstanding which is only in-ring and uh then there's best of interviews and several others uh we're going to skip the mma ones he does have some mma specific ones um so we'll just ignore those because i don't care about that uh i don't know you you still follow it some tyler i think but i I, i'm
1: i would consider myself a casual watcher i watch um when i have the ability to i will throw on the pay-per-view but i don't i don't follow the sport enough to really be able to make any kind of qualitative um like decisions on it i will say edgar maynard 2 is still the best fight i've ever seen (laughs) and i will not hear any arguments against it that fight was freaking amazing uh, I think
0: my last pay per view was an was when Anderson Silva broke his leg. So
1: that's an, that sounds like a last pay per view match. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was like, <laughs> oh, that leg is not at the right angle. That is a uh, that's well. Incorrect... Actually,
1: it was at a right angle.
0: It was. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. So, so let's... Uh, let's start with wrestler of the year. So we're going to name our top three uh, for basically the MVP award of the sport. Um,
1: okay. Oh, we're gonna name our top three. Oh, um, yeah. I, I I did not realize that. I have one.
0: Oh, just K it. We'll, we'll just make it up as we go. I don't even, I'm not even in with a pre-existing list. This is just kind of my first draft. Uh, last year's winner was Kenny Omega and the year before was John Moxley. And 2019 was Chris Jericho. So we're on a three-year stretch of AEW guys winning. Um, who is your uh, top pick, Tyler?
1: Moxley. Um, I really don't think it's close. What Moxley has really meant to this promotion, how he's been able to save them in times of need and carry the company on his back on Multiple occasions, um, he held the title after CM Punk broke his leg, he held the title after Brawl Out. The man is never going to get a vacation to him. Now, a vacation is going to be oh, cool, Dynamite's in Cincinnati, I get to <laughs> sleep on my mom's couch for a weekend instead of you know staying at, at a Holiday Inn Express. Like, what he's meant to this company has been so overly tremendous, uh, it's truly phenomenal. The only other person that I w- would have considered here is Will Ospreay especially what he's meant to rev pro Um, Mm -hmm. the the story that the flagship shared um, about that ishii match where he didn't even have to go in and wrestle it. He called them and say, Hey, I heard you need somebody. I'm in. Yeah. Like that is, that's next level. That Mm -hmm. is somebody that you can count on to be great for you. That's somebody you can count on to be there for you. And he doesn't have to do rev pro. He wants to do that's fun for him.
0: It, it it's
1: oh, I'm just gonna go mess around and I'm just gonna make Ricky Knight Jr. Okay. Yeah. Great it, It's like
0: Moxley with that uh Iowa promotion where he works high level matches and uh you know all the other indie Prestige stuff he or IWA? Uh, n- uh neither. It's something else. Uh it's I think Jimmy Jacobs is involved, but um I forget which company it was now, but I mean I guess oh, yeah, I can uh up.
1: what who um it's axel rotten that does iwa mid south yeah um not defy yeah, he though
0: he i mean he's done defy gcw revolver revolver is what i was thinking of um oh there are a lot of people that are doing revolver now yeah, that's kind of become big like
1: that's kind of becoming like not a super indie but it's becoming one that's a draw for top end like stars to want to go work which yes hell yeah
0: um, Moxley's also my pick for this award for the first place spot. Um, I think second and third are really interesting to consider. Uh, if you just go over the candidates, there's Roman Reigns, which if you're a WWE fan, you're going to vote for possibly first place over Moxley. Oh, why? Why? I why? mean, I, he,
1: what, what is your argument to vote Roman Reigns? One, look, it's all my arguments. I'm just saying, no, 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 <laughs> let's, 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 let's create the argument because I think that he's is the top
0: guy in WWE. Uh, he's been pushed the hardest. He's been on top of all their major pay-per-views. Um. But we're talking MVP.
1: Mm-hmm. He's yeah. he's not doing any house shows. He's barely showing up on television. Yeah. How can you call him the MVP when he's uh, – it's his choice. And, and you know what? With all the health concerns and stuff, with the fact that he's had leukemia multiple times, and obviously you can imagine his immune system isn't exactly great at this point, it's his prerogative to do that and good for him. He's making the smart – what seems on the surface to be the smart decision to work less. Work smarter, but not harder. I, I have no I, problem with it.
0: <laughs> absolutely.
1: But I don't understand how with what he's done for the company makes him an MVP. I, I don't see any argument for it.
0: Uh, I I mean, I see the arguments. I don't agree with them. But he, you know, basically it's the biggest company. He's the top star. He's the top push commodity. And uh, he's been the central point of their biggest storyline all year. Um, granted, and I'm I, Deion Sanders. <laughs> Look, I'm just telling you, man, that is what the people are going to think when they, if they, if they're going to vote for Roman Reigns first or second, that's what they'll be thinking of, um, mm-hmm. Osprey is a great contender. He's, you know, as you've already mentioned, he's had a fantastic in year, in ring year. Um, he's been pretty important to New Japan. He's been vital to Rev Pro, but Rev Pro is a small company, so I don't think, there's going to be some people that don't give him credit for that. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's kind of fair, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Okada is a good one. I mean, he's been the top guy for new Japan for half the year that he won the G1. Um, and has had another fantastic in ring gear. Um, and honestly, uh, after that, like, I think you get down to, uh, uh, Chris Jericho is another good one. Um, I think he's been vital in whatever they were trying to do. I mean, what they were trying to do with Ring of Honor. Um, I don't think it's really his fault that it they failed to get a TV deal for the company. Um, but he, you know, I think he's been, also been vital to AEW television this past year. Um, I think there's negatives there with the JAS BCC feud going on twice as long as it should have, but you can point to extenuating circumstances with Bro out there and also it not really being Jericho's fault. And then you consider stuff like the action and ready angle at the end of the year and the Eddie Kingston stuff early on. Um, I think there's a pretty good case there. Uh, just looking over my list real quick of guys. I mean, I guess you can make an argument for, um, if you really wanted to, I guess you could say mm-hmm. Dax Harwood, but I feel like that's a stretch and a half. Um. After that, I think it's kind of just, uh, you know, your novelty can't camp- novelty is the wrong word, but your niche candidates, uh, you know, you could argue Josh Alexander or Mike Bailey, I guess, from Impact. Uh, but I don't really buy those myself. So personally, I go Moxley first. I think Okada and then Jericho for the award.
1: For- I think Okada is a very good one. Um, I re- I. Wait, you did I, I say I Okada or Jericho? I, I You said Okada. I, oh, I think Okada's going, but I think Jericho's a great one because of he hasn't been necessarily the top push commodity, but everything he's
0: done has been gold. I, I think, you know, outside of like stuff that I would not blame him for, I think the storyline went on way too long, and I've said that a zillion times on this show, but I think that his performances in particular have been very good in, specifically Uh, i think he's been a key part to keeping the tv going and uh being entertaining so so i i like him as a as a candidate for this um can you think of any other candidates that i'm missing right now because frankly i don't think anyone from dragon gate is a good candidate uh i mean i guess you could vote for the great muda if for noah if you're hardcore with them though i think that's probably worse than roman reigns if i'm being honest um Cody Rhodes was out too long. I don't think Seth Rollins mattered enough. Uh Gunter definitely didn't matter enough as a top guy. Um, I don't really think there's another strong candidate in AEW. MJF missed half the year. CM Punk missed half the year and also did damage to AEW with his out-of-the-ring shenanigans. Um mm-hmm. Omega missed a whole lot of time. Um He missed almost... A, he missed like seven huge. months of the year. Yeah. Um so I think those guys are all out due to injuries. Um uh, Okada, I think, is a lot like LeBron James at this point. Like LeBron probably should have won like 10 straight MVPs or something. But basically, I don't think the the NBA writers want to just do that. You know, you saw that with Michael Jordan, you saw this saw that with all these other dominant athletes in the history of sports when it came to this voting. They they like storylines rather than just be outright being, hey, LeBron's still the best. Um, or MJ's still the best. So I think that's mm-hmm. why Okada I think it's kind of fatigue because he didn't have like a you know like an all-time best year. It was just another fantastic Okada year. Um so
1: hey, I, I have I have one more that we need to mention for uh sure. MVP. Toru Yano.
0: <laughs> well, he is the best wrestler <laughs> in kfa It's just well known he only loses because he gets distracted. So many Kenny Omega still interest.
1: owes him an IWGP a world that's right. shot. That's
0: right. He does. He does. Uh, I You know, I didn't think of stardom, uh, and I'm still getting caught up on stardom, but I feel like Julia or Sciuri <laughs> would be good candidates there from what I've read. Um, so that's an option. Uh, maybe I'll change my vote as I uh, keep going through the year, but to include them. But I, I think that i probably go Julia fourth. Um, that's just me. Um, okay, so our next award... Uh, and uh, is most outstanding. So that's just best in-ring. Last year's winner was Shingo Takagi. Uh, Takagi with Kenny Omega winning the year before. And then Osprey in 2019. Uh, I think this has to be Osprey's award this year. It has to be Osprey.
1: What he's done, how many great matches he's had with how many different competitors across multiple promotions. Hell, Will Osprey had a five-star match with Orange Cassidy. He mm-hmm. had multiple four and a half star matches in tag team matches, trios matches. Ishi- five star
0: with uh, Michael Oku in Repro. And like, mm-hmm. I like Oku, but he's not like one of the top 50 wrestlers in the ring right now.
1: I may be off by a couple months. I think his match with Callum Newman that almost got five stars was this year, too.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I haven't even watched his Rev Pro stuff. I'm aware of what he did there, and it was all fantastic. But um, I think he can win the award just off his New Japan stuff, frankly. Um, Who would you go second and third with? Moxley and Okada,
1: probably. Um, You could argue El Hio de Vikingo, because I think his work's been insane. But it's so... In, compared to the other wrestlers on this list, it's so limited. He just doesn't have as uh, as much of a catalog as some of these other guys, and I think that that just kind of hurts in general. Um, but Moxley's had some tremendous matches. I if you want to go ta- like I don't know, this is only singles. You can't do a tag team, right? Uh,
0: I don't think you could vote for a tag team, but you could vote for a member of a tag team, and you could consider their tag team performances.
1: I mean, this is where Dax Harwood's probably going to get some votes.
0: Um, Yeah. And I, I, you know, we've had disagreements on how good his singles matches are. I am considering him for the third spot. I I would go Moxley second. Um, I would think about Danielson here or Ray Phoenix. Um, Mike Bailey, even. Okada. Oh, Speedball's a good one. Yeah. Because he worked everywhere this year. Like, he he worked really hard um, and showed up a bunch of places. Uh, I think you could even vote for one of the young bucks. Uh, I think it's hard to differentiate between the two because they didn't have as much single stuff. Um, but I thought that they they really made a big push with the best of seven series uh, to close out the year, and I think that's a defensible choice there.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's uh, this
1: is a Will Osprey Award. Um, they may end yes. up naming it after him at some point.
0: <laughs> they may. Um, I would probably vote Danielson third. I just, I'm I'm admittedly a mark for his stuff, but uh, I think he had a fantastic year. Tag team of the year. Uh, Seven of the last eight years, it has gone to the Young Bucks. The one year was uh, 2019 when it went to the Lucha Brothers. Uh, That combo is going to be broken this year because I don't have any doubt that FTR is going to win this.
1: That's FTR, yeah. It's, it's FTR. The bucks have been great. The bucks are great, but it's FTR.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's undoubtedly theirs. I think I would vote, um, the young bucks second. Um, and third, probably go with Lucha Bros. Um, I, you know, I would consider Aussie open, but I haven't seen that much stuff of theirs, um, in comparison, and I haven't seen as much high level stuff from them as I have seen the Lucha Pros. Uh, one thing to consider with this award is trios are eligible. So, not so much this year, but moving forward, I think that's something that could be very interesting with this award where you could actually have a trio win it because that has not happened to date.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we're eventually going to see the Elite win this award. Yeah. But FTR's year, and you know what? They won't get any votes but I think you have to give the Briscoe some love here. Um,
0: yeah, Briscoes I think they're actually, I do think they will get votes. I, I do. Um, but I, you know, the problem with them is just visibility and outside of AW, their most visible stuff has been some GCW appearances against frankly, inferior opponents and some impact, uh, a few impact TV matches that were not promoted very much at all.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's, I also think Aussie open will get some love.
0: Yes. I do, too, and they deserve it. Uh, Some people will vote for the Usos. Don't make me go through the Roman Reigns argument again. I'm just telling you people will vote for them. Um, And then there'll probably be a few vote for other WWE tag teams, uh, like the Street Profits or uh, even the New Day. Yeah. Uh, Promo of the year. Best on interviews, really. Last year's winner was MJF, and the year before was Eddie Kingston. 2019, Chris Jericho
1: um
0: i think this I, is an I, interesting year i gave it to mjf but i'm willing to listen uh i think mjf's a top candidate but he also missed a decent chunk of the year uh cm punk is a high level candidate i feel like Um uh, there missed will be... even more of the year he did miss even more of the year i'm just saying he's a high level guy eddie kingston but he disappeared for half the year uh ricky starks uh, really didn't get that much stuff to do this year. I think that if he was doing stuff like that, MJF, uh, those MJF promos, and even the stuff in the Hobbs feud uh, more regularly, he would be a great candidate, but I don't think he's there. And uh, just to go through the WWE people, uh, some people will point to Cody Rhodes, but he missed two thirds of the year. So I don't think he's a very viable candidate. And then there's people that will vote for Roman Reigns or Paul Heyman again, because they are top push guys, uh, or Sami Zayn, because he's, you know, been the entertaining guy in that whole storyline. Um, frankly, I think some people vote Sami Zayn for MVP. Actually. Now that I stopped thinking, about it. But I'm just telling you, um, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to vote on this one. Um, I think it's some combination of MJF punk Jericho, uh, and Kingston. Uh, but I really haven't uh, figured out how to shake that out yet. Um, do you have any thoughts on this how, about how you're going to vote? I think
1: it's going to be MJF, but I'm giving serious consideration to Ricky Starks. Um and honestly, I'm giving serious consideration to Will Ospreay. What he's been able to do on the mic, and obviously it's just it's a different world in New Japan how they do their promos. It's yes. backstage, it's very press conference like style, but nobody's actually asking you questions like it feels more sporty, which I think, you know, New Japan, king of sports, you know, makes sense. Um, But how he's been able to deliver. And I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega presser from earlier today.
0: I heard about it, but I have yet to see it. I heard it's great.
1: Don Um, Callis is tremendous. Yeah. He Um, he would be another
0: option if he stuck around, Uh, but he was gone half a year too. So Uh, okay. I don't know how much longer you want to go on this episode. So I'm just going to power through the rest of the category, the top category awards.
1: Let's do the top ones.
0: Yeah. Uh, promotion of the year. Uh, who you got?
1: WWE. No, (laughs) it's, I think it's AEW. I don't think new Japan's up there yet. They need crowds back. Once they get crowds back, I think you're, you would see a lot more votes for new Japan.
0: I think the only viable candidates really for this are AEW and stardom. Uh, I think stardom has grown some this year and I feel like that's very hard to do in Japan right now. Uh, granted, I think a, a lot of the growth has been overseas. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that any of the cyber fight ones have grown that much. I mean, I think Noah has been benefiting and drawing from Keiji Muto being around. So that's an argument for them. Um, but I also think there's a lot to be negative about with them and Keiji Muto, not really being able to move anymore. Um, yeah, I don't have another good argument for a U.S.-based one. I mean, there's WWE, uh, which is always going to get votes just because they're big. Um, there's uh, CMLL. I think some people have been talking about them as having a good year, but I haven't paid that much attention to them, unfortunately, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, I do think RevPro is an interesting candidate. Um, I think they yes. you know, uh really benefiting from Osprey, but they've had other stuff going on there, too. So that's all stuff to consider there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go with AW here, even though I don't think it's nearly as strong of a year as last year was uh, best weekly TV show. I think dynamite is the easy answer here for first place. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I think, um, I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to vote for a second place show. I think rampage isn't bad by any stretch, but I don't think it's like particularly good and impact is fine. Yeah. Sorry, I don't really have to, much to. Say, yeah, I don't have much to say here. I'm not going to vote for any de- WWE shows because they don't do anything for me. Yeah, like New Japan Strong just isn't. I mean, it's a bunch of like fine matches. Uh, I would put Impact above that. Uh, I probably would go Rampage second. I guess uh, it's at least watchable. It's you know most weeks it's good. Um, yeah. Uh, match of the year is a really interesting one, and we could go for probably an hour alone on this. Um, yeah, we'll
1: probably when the VOW poll comes out, we'll probably we'll do time documenting our top ten matches of the year.
0: Yeah, uh, my number one is going to be FTR Briscoes from Final Battle. I think I thought that was just an amazing dog collar match and uh, just a great Mm -hmm. match all around.
1: I haven't decided if which dog collar match is going to be number one. If it's Punk MJF or Briscoes FTR. But those they're going to be in my top two. I genuinely just don't know which one I'm going to pick. I think I I, like to some people. I am a very generous star raider. I think I have nine five star matches this year. But when wrestling grabs me, it grabs me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a very ADD person, as Fred notices for how much I'm kind of doing stuff while we record this show. But it's if it grabs me, like it's it's a lot easier for me to give it five stars and there's been some tremendous work this year
0: um i'm gonna jump through uh just some other awards i think are interesting in category b if that sounds good to you yeah okay i'm gonna skip like the region specific mvps because that's gonna take a while what do you think is feud of the year the detroit lions versus winning
1: (laughs) isn't that Uh, every year yeah that that's why it's funny um Word. Uh, now you have to find feud of the year. Um, I put Osprey Omega. Um, okay. They had only one match where they were opposite each other, and that was the semifinals of the trios tournament, Aussie Open versus the Elite. But the way they built it on social media, the way they built it in promos, um, the post match, just all of it, just great, great stuff. Um, and now we're finally going to get see them wrestle within the next. 16 hours the way they built this thing it's tremendous there's you can't speak any higher of it like i you i think ftr briscoe's is gonna get a lot of love here that's a good one um outside of those two death triangle elite eh, too short i don't think there's enough animosity between the two teams there's not enough that's fair to me, there's not enough storytelling. It's just like, hey, we got stripped of the titles. You won them. We want them back. Okay. It's a very simple story, but it doesn't grab me. It yeah. there, there is enough connective tissue with these with the animosity between these guys. I, I know we had the Omega-Pac uh, Iron Man match from one of the first Dynamites. So that was incredible. Yes. When it gets put on a streaming service, that's going to be my first watch because I'll be honest, I don't remember anything about it other than that I enjoyed it. And yeah. then you obviously have the history with the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. Outside of that, Fred, why should I be invested in this match other than these guys are all great wrestlers? Like Six great matches, m- I guess. That, well, to me, that's that there isn't enough depth there for the elements of why they're feuding for me to really put it over the top.
0: I think it's done well building like within the matches to – you know, justify the feud and to build heat on the feud. So, I think that is a candidate. Uh, Punk MJF is another one. Um, though I think like that was kind of an unsatisfying end to their feud because they only got was half finished. Jericho Kingston is another one. Um, because, but I also think that the end to that kind of got botched because it just carried on without them. Um, and that was frustrating. Uh, some people say Bloodline versus someone or Seth Rollins versus Cody. Those are probably the top WWE candidates. Uh, Julius Yuri and Stardom is one. Um, I don't think Impact has really had a great feud this year um, for them to make an argument. And uh, New Japan, I mean, what is it? Like Osprey, uh, or I'm sorry, Okada White or Osprey versus the refs. I mean, I feel like this hasn't been a great a great feud year for them. But anyways, um, ah, goodness. Let's see. Uh, do you want to do like best technical or that stuff or anything else on here? Yeah. yeah okay. Let's well, get
1: a couple more and then we'll call it a day.
0: All right. Let's do, uh, the individual style is best technical. Um, Moxley's won the last two since he kind of works in MMA style. Um, I feel like I might just vote mm-hmm. for Zach Sabre here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's. Uh, I'm looking at best brawler. I can't read. Oh, no. How embarrassing. Uh, yeah, best I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, huh, that's weird. Okay, sure. Uh, Danielson won last year, and then Zach Saber won for like the six previous or seven previous, I should yeah. say. Best um, technical wrestler, Stalker Ichikawa. <laughs> no, I think it's Danielson. I, re- I don't Dan- think Danielson's he's a really close. good one, yeah. Yeah, Sabre hasn't had, I guess, a good enough year. Again, maybe someone in stardom that I'm not thinking of uh, because... What about to... Claudio? You know, Claudio's a good one. Um, if uh, you're gonna, I if first... Claudio's going to win a year,
1: it hasn't been a phenomenal year for Sabre as far as the, the yeah. high-end ring stuff. Danielson's had a couple matches, but Claudio became a two-time ROH World Champion. Yeah. He had that tremendous debut uh, against that Sabre where he beat him. Um, I think if there's a year where it's not going to be one of those two guys, it's this year with Claudio.
0: Uh, Josh Alexander's one, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think he's I, had a I good year. I love
1: Alexander. The exposure to me is not at a high no. enough level.
0: He probably won't win, but he's he's a candidate. Um, I really don't think anyone in WWE is going to get serious votes for this. Just no one really works a technical style there, at least on a high level. Like It'd be like Chad Gable, and he's – done low mid card stuff all year brawler hey, which hey, is the one. Oh yeah respect to chad gable oh no he's I really good
1: i went to high school with him he's a nice person
0: hey i don't doubt it uh i wish he got a better push and a character but you know we're here send
1: him to new japan and let him do super juniors that's all i want
0: uh best brawler of the year i moxley's won the last two and then the six years before that were ishi um it's mox i think it's gotta be mox this year i think that's an easy one um you know, you could make an argument for the technical one I just thought of uh, for FTR, um, I suppose. I think that they'd qualify as tactical workers, don't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I could see
0: Dax getting some votes there. Uh, Ishi still had a good year for Best Brawler. Um, you know, you could go Penta, uh, Adam Page. Those are some other names, so Doss out. Um, and then Best Flyer, uh, which I think has to go to Ray Phoenix. Well, for the third straight year though. If you want to vote for Will Ospreay there, you can, uh, he won the four prior years, but I think his style's really changed. I, I don't think he's, I don't think of him as a high player anymore. Really?
1: He's, he's not, but I will, um, see your Phoenix and potentially raise you a Vikingo.
0: Yeah. I just think Phoenix has done a better job in ring, but, uh, Vikingo is definitely more amazing. Um, and I think that's where the argument is. Which yeah. one are you going to prefer? And that's going to um, be
1: your deciding factor. Yeah,
0: basically. Um, although I'm sure some people vote for Ricochet because, um, I don't know, got to vote for WWE people. There are some people that only vote for WWE candidates, just so you know. Like, that is a thing that does Oh, happen. I know. They suck. Uh, <laughs> uh, I could go in-depth on Rookie of the Year, but we don't really have the time for that. If you want, we can go into that next week. Um, yeah, let's,
1: let us let's go into that next week because I – I want to see a list of official candidates because I'm not 100% sure who will and won't qualify.
0: I I put together a list because I've done, that's the second year I've done this, uh, just to see who is eligible. And then I email it to Meltzer. And I think he uses some of them at least. Um, uh, One thing I do want to discuss before we go, which is my uh, Guilty Pleasure Award, the most disgusting promotional tactic.
1: It's Vince McMahon on SmackDown right after the initial Wall Street Journal allegations came out. That's I it. think
0: that's I think that's it. Uh I but I do think there's other good candidates. You have the perennial going to Saudi Arabia one. Um uh, look, I, I, blood, I get blood it, money. but that's that's tired. Like I get it, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Uh and also it's like
1: voting Bill Belichick coach of the year. He should be coach of the year pretty much every year, but you right. can't just keep giving it to him.
0: Yeah, it's the the Brown thing I mentioned earlier this uh conversation. Um mm-hmm. The other one I would point to is the Ric Flair last match, because he was not, he should not have been in the ring. He, you know, there's serious concerns he was going to die in the ring. Um, so I think that's a, uh, a good option on the table. I yeah, probably I will vote good. for Vince promoting, using his, his bullshit to promote SmackDown. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, And I think that's, let's do one more real quick, which is worst match of the year, um, which I just think is a fun one. I think I'm going to vote for Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. I I know that was just a gimmick to get uh, Steve Austin out there for a pop on the second night of WrestleMania, but I got to tell you, watching Pat McAfee, who is a talented in-ring, he's a talented wrestler, um, uh, have to sell for old Vince McMahon offense is really embarrassing in 2022. Can I just
1: say that Pat McAfee takes the best stunner in the history of professional wrestling?
0: He's good. Uh, Scott Hall is up there too, but yeah, I mean, I like the McAfee sell too.
1: Like, the McAfee sell just to me felt more natural, and I think that's why I like it more. That's fair. The Scott Hall one, I That was that was good. <laughs> but uh, the McAfee where it's just like, oh shit, and then he just yeah. kind of goes Kerplunko. Like, to me, that's just it's a A plus stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. I think I'm done uh, with this bullshit. Um, unless you want to go over any others. Um
1: no, I, I think we're almost I two think,
0: hours in, so
1: yeah, I think we're good. Um, you can find us on Twitter at good bad You can find me on Twitter at the real forno or at the Vikings wire. You can find uh, Fred on Twitter at flagrant wrestling. You can uh, send us a DM on Twitter to ask us a question, which we will answer on the show, or you can join the voice of wrestling discord, which uh, you can ask us a question in our channel, good, bad, and Hungy, And we will answer those either in real time or on the show as well. Uh, and you can find us uh, both on our own feed and on the voice of wrestling podcast network feed. Um, please like, Rate, subscribe, five full stars does a lot for us as far as visibility and making sure people are able to see our show. And if you haven't checked it out, check out the Voice of the Wrestling YouTube channel, where we, along with all the other great podcasts on the network, will post um, little clips of the show. So if this is your first time listening to us, we thank you. And there are a few clips of our previous shows on the site so you can see if this is something that you really want to dive into. We're just two fun loving guys who love this stupid sport of professional wrestling. Uh, in the meantime, I'm Tyler, and that's Fred. Have yourself a great day. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, all. My name is Tyler Fornes, and I am one of the co-hosts of The Good, The Bad, and The Hung Gi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad-scope approach to the world of all-elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good the bad and the hungry every week on the voice of wrestling network